This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, we are going to go over Paul's letter to Philemon. Interesting, very interesting letter, and it reveals a good deal about Paul and his style of writing, as it were. Now, he starts out as usual. Well, actually, he doesn't start out as usual. He starts out saying, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved work, fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Nowhere else does Paul, according to New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, nowhere else does Paul open a letter by referring to himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, putting aside the mention of rank, apostle, etc., or task. He faces Philemon with his current imprisonment, which is ironic. He's talking to, to Philemon about this issue, writing from prison which will form a sub-theme of the whole letter. Otherwise, the opening follows the usual pattern. Timothy, our brother, is with Paul, etc., etc. So, he always does those things when he starts out, except calling himself a prisoner. That was unique. Now, he wrote from prison, and he thought here it's important to know Paul believed it was a privilege to suffer for Jesus. He honestly believed that he won, he was doing the Lord's work, and that it was an honor, as it were, to endure hardship for the gospel. Now, after that initial introduction of a prisoner of Christ, Paul follows his pattern. He says he's praying for them, that they have a love and faith, and he encourages them to share that faith. So we go on through here because he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. All of the letters Paul writes, in one way or the other, he always says something like that. And then he says, he's praying that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. You see, he's writing to Philemon, but here, in a way, he's getting really personal. He's saying, Philemon, you have been so good to me. You have shown your love for me as a brother in Christ. And I know that those saints that meet in the house, that's, the church that's at your house, I know they have been blessed because of you. And so now we turn to verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. Paul is not going to use his status or his stature or his position to try to command Philemon to do anything. He wants to instead come to him like a brother. And it's clear that Paul is going to ask a favor of Philemon. Before he asked, he appealed for love's sake. 
instead of making a command. Of course, under the surface, Paul made it clear that he had the right to command you what is fitting, yet instead he appeals in love. Somewhat. A loving appeal is often better than an authoritative command. Don't you all agree? Would you rather do something from some, for someone who asks you with a heart of compassion or gentleness rather than saying, do this? Usually because we are rebellious, the first thing we say when somebody says, do this, our thought is, do it yourself. So he's coming to him with an appeal, with, with love. And he says a loving appeal, again, is often better than an authoritative command. Paul wasn't hesitate to didn't hesitate when the command situation depended or demanded it. But in wisdom, he knew to use here the loving appeal. Now, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ. So here he's starting to lay it on a little thick, I guess. Because he's saying, I'm an old guy. I'm in prison. And here I want you to, here's what I want you to do, Philemon. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, who's... Father, I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. You see, Onesimus apparently ran away. Now, we do not know why. The scriptures don't tell us the reason that Onesimus felt the need to leave Philemon's house, but he did. And as a result, Philemon thought, that guy, the nerve of him running away, you know, and I was taking care of him too. So Philemon is rather ticked at the fact that Onesimus ran off. But Paul says, who once was unprofitable to you. Paul is aware of the fact that Philemon had given it up and said, I'm through with that guy. But now he says, he's useful to me and to you. In some way, Onesimus became profitable to Paul. David Guzik says in his commentary on that letter, perhaps he served as an assistant to Paul during his house arrest. So Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus, was now unprofitable to Philemon since he had escaped. But he had become profitable to Paul and by extension also to Philemon, profitable to you and me. Since Philemon loved Paul, if Onesimus helped Paul, he was helping Philemon also. So when Paul spoke of Onesimus being unprofitable and profitable, he made a play on a word. And this is interesting here. The name Onesimus means profitable. Now that he was a Christian, Onesimus would be able to live up to his name. It is significant to note that Paul claims that in Christ, the useless person has become made useful. And you see, here Paul is letting Philemon know that Onesimus is a changed man. He's no longer the rebellious runaway slave. He's no longer the sniveling backbiter. He's no longer any of those things. He's actually now a brother in the Lord. You see, in slavery at that time, if you were a runaway slave, the master had absolute authority to do with you whatever he wanted. 
So Paul knew that Philemon, if he wanted to, could have you know, Onesimus put to death. Even though slavery in that time was not like the slavery we know of that happened in our own country here. At that time, slaves were more, almost more like indentured servants. And if you were a Jewish slave in Israel, there was a release date set for you on the day that you had to be set free. So slavery was not then like it is, like we know of it today. Whatever the case, Paul cherishes Onesimus because he doesn't even want to give him up. He says, hey, he's become useful to me, you know, and, and I don't really want to send him back because he's too helpful. But I'm going to do it anyway, Philemon. And he says in one of these lines, verse 15, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you may have him back forever. The phrase for perhaps is important. It showed that Paul did not come to Philemon in this manner. Philemon, God has shown me that his hidden hand at work and you must accept what I see also. Instead, for perhaps, Paul's means Paul's heart is like this. Philemon, it seems to me that God is working in unusual ways here. Let me tell you what I see, and perhaps it will make sense to you. This was one aspect of the purpose Paul saw God working in the escape of Onesimus. Philemon, the master, lost a slave, but Philemon, the Christian, gained a brother, and he gained that brother forever. When we become brothers and sisters in Christ, we are in that status forever. Now, Onesimus is now a brother in the Lord. So Paul says, put Onesimus's debt on his account. Put it on my tab, as you often hear him say in the TV and movies. Yeah, just charge that to me. If he owes you anything, I'll pay you. Don't worry about it. Now, he's also saying, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. If you have ever been in retail, you know what it means to have a presumptive clause. And I was taught that in the two or three times I did some selling either door to door or in a retail outlet where you basically you're leading this person to try to make the purchase. So you say, I've got to send you a note card to let you know your orders come in. So what's your address? So the person gives their address and then you just complete the sale because you've used this presumptive clause to get them to actually make that decision that you want them to make. Now, any of you here who are aware of salesmanship knows what that presumptive clause is, do you not? You have laid out all the merchandise and here's this young person trying to buy some things for their household collection. And they also want some towels so for the household. So while she's looking, she doesn't know if she's going to buy it or not. But she's looking at the towels 
You show her the quality and you tell her how nice they are. And then you get out your little order pad and you say, now, which colors do you want? That's presumption. And I'm presuming that she's going to buy them. So what color do you want now? You know, it's a presumptive clause. So Paul's doing that with Philemon saying, I have confidence in your obedience. Having this confidence in your obedience, I wrote unto you knowing that you're going to do what I ask. You're even going to do more. And he closes the epistle there. He goes and says, you know, his usual closing phrases from verses 23 through 25. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, since greeting to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. And then he gives the blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So what we're doing here is we're going through this letter and seeing how Paul cleverly appeals to Philemon to take Onesimus back. But he tells him, not as a slave. And here was the hope. Not as a slave, but as a brother. So now Onesimus comes back to Philemon on an equal status. Because when we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all equal. Yes, we may have different responsibilities. And yes, in some cases, we may be the first among equals who are chosen to lead. But we are, all have that equal status of being brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why Paul says, Eleman, take Onesimus back. You're not going to regret doing it because Onesimus is changed. And you'll see. When he gets to your house, you're going to see that there is a real difference in this man. And it's a difference that only Christ can make in our lives. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.